Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's guest is Katie. So Katie, welcome to the show. Hi, Amanda. Thanks so much for having me on. I've been uh, looking forward to having a chat to you today. I've been looking forward to to too since I was on your show. So I always ask the question, what's your story and how you got into what you're doing today? Sure. So mine goes back to when I was a teenager, I grew up as a dancer. So one of those obsessed girls with dancing and I was going to become a ballerina, like every little girl kind of believes they're going to. Uh, But when I was 16, I actually tore the meniscus in my knee, which essentially is a a pretty much career ending injury. If you want to do anything that you know, to me mattered at the time. So I'd gotten a scholarship to a full-time dance school and they pretty much said, yeah, you can become a professional dancer, but you'll always be in the back row because they know about your injury and you're too much of a liability to have a lead role, essentially. And you're probably plagued with, you know, having pain and having to do rehab and et cetera, et cetera. So I kind of went, all right, well, we're going to have to change what we're thinking here about our career path. And I ended up going to university to study nutrition and I became a nutritionist. And that was happening because being in the dance world, I had a lot of issues with restricting my eating, you know, underweight, not feeling my body enough and sort of thought, well, okay, if I I can't be a dancer. Maybe I can help other dancers get out of this pattern of being, you know, restricting their eating. So I went off and I did the nutrition course and I was, you know, like any uni student teaching dancing part-time. And one of my girlfriends said, you know, why don't you go off and do the Pilates course? You know, you can teach, you know, teach dancing, do some Pilates while you finish your course. And I thought, yeah, sure. I've taught movement. I know what I'm doing went off and did the Pilates course, rehabbed my own injuries from dancing and then kind of went, this is amazing. This whole modality of Pilates is holistic, kind of brings everything together in the health field now that I've got my nutrition knowledge, my own movement background, but then my knowledge to help rehab people. And I kind of went out into the world and did a bit of a mix of it everywhere. And then about 12 years ago, I opened my own uh, Pilates and wellness studio and did nutrition consults and Pilates and rehab classes and in-person sort of health days and kind of ended up where I am today. Wow. I like how you switched directions and you decided to do the nutrition and stuff. But I mean, that's super hard, like at 16 years old to be like, oh, you probably were working on it for since you were a child, that same goal. That's it. I was crushed. I can tell you now I was completely crushed and I delayed my surgery. So I thought, you know, like anyone, I'll just be able to rehab. I'll get through this. You know, I'd done it sort of mid-year, rehabbed it really well. End of year concerts where I'm in like 10 dances out of 30 dances in the concert and I re-injure it. Uh, you know, with five or six dances to go. And I'm like, this is just not going to work. Back on crutches again for how many weeks? And, yeah, it was just, I guess that was really the realisation point that, you know, if I keep going with this, I love it. Like it was my passion for 100% for sure. But if I want to make this a career, it's going to be really hard and it's not going to be the career I envisioned. So 
uh, I had to go through a lot of, you know, searching of what else maybe might fulfill me in that sense. And I'd always loved food. Like I loved eating, but I'd restricted myself from it because I was so obsessed with trying to thinking that, you know, trying to this attain this dream as a dancer, this is what it meant around food. And so I think it's one of those you know, maybe one of those things that you're just meant to be, you've got a path and that path can change and you can make some decisions to either, you know, really embrace it. And I guess it took me a while, but that's kind of what I did in the end. And I like how you said we all, you had a different path. Sometimes we don't accept that. We just think we have to stay on the same path that we're going down. That's it. And it's hard. Like if you kind of get that thrown, that curveball thrown at you, it's definitely not easy. And I didn't lose my love of dance. I still taught dance. I still danced myself. So I still had it in my life. It just had to come in a different way. So I think hindsight is an amazing thing. You can look back and go, oh, yeah, this is, you know, kind of what happened and it happened for a reason. Right. Um, But at the time, it's hard to struggle through. Yeah, I think a lot. I think a lot of times we don't know why something happens, and then we can look back and see that there was a reason for it. So, what are you doing today? So, I'm doing a bit of a mix of things. I guess, like most people, the last two years have been a bit of an upheaval. So, my sort of in-studio wellness practice had to close. So out of the two years, we were closed for a full year because uh, we you're, were classified as fitness. And you're in Australia. Yeah, so I'm in Australia and we're all back to normal now. You're back um, to normal. But, That's yeah, but I had to move online and I'd already sort of started transitioning into moving online. I had sort of, you know, home Pilates workout series that I'd filmed and, and that was going, but really had to start online classes and over the last two years I launched a health and movement membership and I'm now sort of building out a uh, three-month or a 12-week online coaching course for women that really goes through how we can simplify our health and really boost our energy but making it as easy as we can because I kind of feel like we think that health needs to be super complicated. Yeah, you do. And it needs lots of time. It doesn't doesn't need to do that. Um, So my goal is to help women look after their bodies, not just physically, but also in obviously internally and then with their mindset as well. I would like to know. So I I would like to know this because you were talking about simplifying our health. What are we doing as women that are overcomplicating our health? I think there's a whole load of things. I think we have this... In our minds, we have this standard that we need to be at. And maybe we've gotten that from seeing other people on social media or maybe we've grown up with people that said, you know, we have to look a certain way and be a certain weight and exercise a certain amount of, you know, of time a day. And I think where we are in our lives right now, especially if you are a mum or you're looking after elderly parents, we've got, you know, a stressful job, we're all really busy. So we need to simplify things as much as we can. And that generally just means going back to basics. 
making sure that we're drinking water, make sure that we're eating more vegetables than we probably think we should be eating, Right. Uh, moving our body. So, you know, you don't have to go to the gym every day. You can go outside for a walk. You can park your car further from the supermarket and walk, a, you know, an extra hundred meters. You can, you know, play with your kids in the kitchen, put on some music, have a dance in the house. So I think it's adding back in that fun and that you know those bits of sporadic movement and these really simple habits that we kind of lose because we get so busy and tired and our time is you know precious but it gets pulled by everybody else so it's really just trying to go back to those basics and and I guess be a bit more aware and tune into how our body's feeling as well like listening in are we actually hungry are we actually full do I have pain somewhere okay maybe that means I need to just you know move around a and do some stretches I like how you were talking about going for like even going for a walk because I'm like that for me personally like I was like I just haven't been doing that the last couple months and stuff because it's been winter in the U.S. and stuff so I'm just like (laughs) I'm like it's so I'm like well okay it's March so I'm like I'm going to, so we're going to spring, but I was like, okay, I'm going to try to go for a daily walk every single day. And it's just like, it's such a, it just is such a break from like the busyness and we're on our computer so much and stuff. For me, it's just like a mental break and it's always just great just to get into nature and just relax. That's it. And just stepping outside like you said, you're getting one, you're getting movement Two, you're getting that break from the stress of your everyday life. You can let your mind wander and three, you're getting out into nature. So even if you're just walking around your neighborhood and you're seeing some trees and some grass and some birds flying, you know, we know getting into nature helps our mental health. So it's, you've got three in one there just by stepping out your door, even if it is cold, you know, start with five or 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be, you know, a a 30 or 40 minute walk or an hour walk, just 10 minutes can just change a whole lot in your life. Yeah, and it doesn't, I, I think a lot of times we think it needs to be strenuous and stuff, and I am I already work out as it is, so I just don't want a nice light walk so I could think, pray, and just relax because my mind's always going and stuff. So I think a lot of times we just need to quiet our minds and t- also. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, even I think the studies show that just 10 minutes in nature boost your energy, your mood, and your um, just your concentration levels. So there's lots of evidence there, but you just have to do it and you'll you'll sort of feel the benefits. I Yeah, and that's true. I think it's the benefits of just getting back into nature, but also just listening to your body. If your body's tired, it's okay to cut out those things that are that you might have going on it's okay to say no to something yeah and I think that's another area that uh, women and I know myself you kind of just go well I've committed to that so I need to follow through but realistically it's kind of like you know the analogy they say that when you're on an airplane and it's going down you know you put your oxygen mask on first before you put others on you've got to look after yourself and honor your body first before feeling like you have to, you know, follow through on that commitment. People will understand, you know, if you need to have a break or you need to say no this time around 
And I don't know where a lot of us may learn that. I know for me growing up, my mum was very strong. You know, she always followed through. She looked after the family. So I think for me, I've learned that, you know, as a woman, as a mum, I keep our family together. I look after them. Um, So we'll all have our own stories of where it comes from. But, yeah, I think that's another really good point. Yeah, I think it's a good point because I was like, I want like somebody's, I was like, well, I was supposed to do something tonight. And I'm, and I'm like, and I reached out to that person. She's like, well, I was going to give you the night off. And I'm like, and she's like, but I still need somebody. And I'm like, oh, I really don't want to. But I'm like, I sort of want to say no. So I had to tell myself it's okay to say no to that thing and stuff. Yeah. Because I'm like, there's a reason for that. I'm just like, I'm, I was, I was just tired. I was tired today. And I'm like, I need a nap. I just need to relax. And I think that's okay to tell our people is that, okay, I just need a night off. Especially. Exactly. So tell me, like, what do you do to help your clients? So I work with them in a range of ways, but in the studio, when it comes to movement, generally people are coming to me because they're in some sort of pain. It might be lower back pain or hip pain, or they've had a knee replacement. So generally I do a postural assessment through them. So I, you know, look through their body. We look at where there might be imbalances and that may be just where things are sort of sitting, or it might be strength or flexibility. And we do some exercises and tests and things. And then we design a program, a holistic program in the sense that it's the full body that we need to look at and how the full body moves. And we design an exercise program for them around building strength. And it might be for their core, you know, if they've got lower back pain, we're going to look at their glute strength. And then, you know, if they've had a shoulder injury, we're going to look at the range of movement. And sometimes it's just getting back to everyday movement. So it might be, you know, being able to reach up and, you know, take something off the washing line without pain. So generally that's how we sort of look at everyday life and the movements you need to function really well, sitting down standing up being able to lie down and roll over and that sort of stuff and then depending on what level they're at if they're an athlete then we might do sort of specific work for their sport to prevent injury so it depends on the person and like with health we kind of say it's all individualized I like that um that it's all individualized because I think a lot of times people are like well one thing's gonna fit every single person and it's not true never works that way it would be lovely if it did but it it just it just doesn't for what I think I I don't know why we have that concept that we think oh whatever worked for my friend's gonna work for me and that type of thing it's crazy we're all in different stages I think we just hope though. I think we go, oh, we know that person and they're kind of the same age as me and, you know, maybe the same sort of build or whatever. And so, yeah, I reckon that could work for me too. You know, we just hope for the best. And we've seen that it's proven to work for somebody else. So that's the other thing. It's like, oh, well, that's that will work because it's worked for her. So why shouldn't I give it a go? Right. And But a lot of times it's like, we don't know their backstory and like what they're dealing with and their relationships and all the trauma and everything else that they're going through. That's it. And even when it comes to injuries, 
I will say that some of that past trauma, it's not just a physical rehab program as well. There's a lot of changes through emotionally and mentally when you're rehabbing an injury that you need to go through. And, you know, whether or not, you know, you start with the fear of moving because you don't want to feel that pain. And then you gradually build up that confidence and you get to, you know, the acceptance of things might have to change, but or the acceptance that, you know, I am going to get that strength back, but it may take time. So there's a lot, it's a big journey. It's not just physical too. There is those other aspects that come into it as well. That's interesting because I don't even really think about it, but it's a lot of emotions that probably come up with people dealing with injury and stuff. A lot. And there'll often be, you know, somebody will come in and they might, you know, I had a client the other week. So she's been a client for years, let's say probably eight years. And she was in a lot lot of pain and she cried during class because the pain was a manifestation of the other stresses. You know, yes, she hadn't been exercising because she had lots of other stuff going on in her life, but everything accumulated at that point. And at that point, her body was screaming out from her lower back and it just got too much and the emotion flowed. And that's okay. But that happens and it's normal. Uh, But there is a buildup emotionally and physically. And I'm sure it's a, I think a lot of times I think we need to give ourselves permission. If we're in pain, it's okay to cry and stuff because I don't think we do that. No. And, you know, I, I, you might relate or not, but I know after I've cried, it's a release. Like it's your body releasing, you know, that tension. You do feel more relaxed after having a cry because you've kind of gotten those emotions out. We might be holding a lot of stuff in. And again, it's another way of your body just releasing. So I don't think it's always necessarily a bad thing. Um, I think it's fine to have a good cry and you actually usually feel better after it sometimes too. Well, I think that's the thing. I think a lot of times when we're, especially when we're going through like grief, like I was going through two years ago, it was, it's. I was like, I don't really want to cry, but then I was so sad. And it's it's a nice release just to like cry out whatever you're crying about and stuff. And I think that's the thing. We think it's a waste of time, but it really isn't. No, and it usually, do you know what I mean? We usually cry when we're getting to a breaking point. So do you know what I mean? That client of mine was going through a lot emotionally in her life. Physically, her body had started to, you know, hold on to a lot of that tension. It was manifesting in pain and the pain was just getting so severe that she was struggling to cope and then she cried. And then she felt a lot better after having the cry. So I think it's, you know, it's another sign from our body that maybe we need to slow down or maybe we need to look at, you know, what's happening physically, emotionally, you know, stress-wise in our lives, whether or not it's work or family or friends and that sort of thing, and just take a little bit more time to reassess. And give us and give ourselves some self-care during that time, some extra self-care that we might not be giving ourselves. Exactly. And I think that's where if you just take those couple of minutes or an hour or a day and just sort of go, okay, how or why have I gotten to this point? Maybe I, yeah, I haven't been moving my body because I've just been so busy with looking after my mum. Okay, what can I do to try to rectify that so that I'm not feeling this pain? 
maybe just, you know, when I get up in the morning, I can do a few stretches before I get in the shower and start my day. So again, simple things that they don't have to be hard or really time consuming, but we can do them really easily. It's just, I guess, making that sort of becoming aware and making that sort of conscious effort to just start to make those small changes. I love it how you said small changes because I think a lot of times we think, oh, we should just jump right into like a big change, which I tell people it's just going to backfire on you when you're stressed out and stuff. You can't do a big change right away and stuff. You're not going to, if you haven't been working out for like 20 years, doing an hours, you're not going to be able to keep it up. Exactly. And I think there needs to be a catalyst. Like we do need to come to that point in our head where we go, okay, yeah, I'm not feeling good or I am in pain. I need to do something. And that's where if you've got a support network, you can reach out to, you know, your doctor or um, a physiotherapist or a Pilates instructor. And you can just sort of say, okay, I'm ready to make a change. Doesn't need to be big. So a lot of my clients will be like, okay, well, what can I do at home during the week? when I can't get to see you. And I'll be like, okay, well, when you're sitting at your desk, you can bring your foot up and you can do a figure four glute stretch. Super easy. When you're standing in the kitchen, you can bring your leg up behind you and do your standing quad stretch. I said, just do those two stretches this week and your back will feel so much better. Just add them in whenever you can sort of fit it in around your day. And so it's just making just that small change, but sometimes we don't know where to start. And I guess that's where people can come in and help. I like how you said, yeah, because we don't think about like doing just small little stretches throughout the day. We think we have to take like 20 minutes to do stretching. Yeah, we don't. While you're waiting for something in the microwave or whatever, bring your leg up behind you and hold a stretch for 20 seconds. Like stuff like that. I was thinking of like, oh, I probably should include more stretching because I feel like it's, it's, I mean, I do it after I work out, but I mean, like, just throughout the day, your body gets super tight and tense and stuff. And especially all of us who are just like sitting, even if we incorporate exercise, everyone's just sitting so much. Yeah. Sitting is, you know, as I said, sitting is a new smoking. So it is terrible for our body, but I always tell my clients two things. They can either one, do a stretch or two, just take a few nice deep breaths. So really visualize your lungs like a balloon and you're going to take a nice deep inhale and really fill up your lungs like that balloon. And then as you exhale, visualize that balloon just deflating and it's going really slowly and it's deflating all the way down. So essentially that your exhale is longer than that inhale. Do that just three or four times and then get back to whatever you're doing. So it's, again, just a little reset for your mind and your body because, again, when you're sitting down, everything's a little bit compressed and contracted. We tend to get, you know, sitting at the computer, you always see that, you know, picture where the shoulders hunch up, you lean forward, your head sticks forward to the screen and you're typing away. So, you know, just resetting, taking a few deep breaths, even just rolling your shoulders back and just resetting that upper body is a nice one to do as well. So again, it's those small things, they add up over time and that's what makes the difference. It's not going to be the the once a week gym session. That's great. But if you're only doing that once a week, that's not going to make the changes to just adding these things in each day. 
And I will, and I think a, setting a timer to like remind yourself to do those things would probably be a good tip. Yeah, and I think too you can get a lot of um, sort of screensavers and things on your computer now that you can set, and every twenty minutes or half an hour it'll just like pop up and and flash for a few seconds, and that's your cue to get up walk around and then come and sit back down or get up and go get a drink and come and sit back down. So yeah, there's lots of things that you can get to help nowadays. And I was just like, just even putting it in your planner and stuff, um, like going for a walk and mid, maybe at lunch or after work and stuff, just so you could check it off and you feel accomplished that you actually did that or you did that healthy habit of drinking more water? Because I think yeah, we need a. We sometimes we feel like we get nothing done in a day, so just being able to check it off is a good thing. I hundred percent agree, and I also say it. I'm a big advocate is for blocking out, like making that time in your diary, like an appointment with yourself. So your 15 minute walk is as important as having a 15 minute phone call with somebody else. So if you block out that time, like an appointment, then you set that time aside and you're more likely to follow through. Whereas if it's not in there, you know what it's like, things crop up, they take your time, you get tired, you know, there's always another excuse. Whereas if it's blocked out and it's in there, then like you said, you feel accomplished for ticking it off and you've got the time because you've already blocked it out. So it's a little bit easier to follow through. Yeah, and you, a lot of times I think we talk ourselves out of doing it when we do have 15 minutes to go for a walk or whatever. Yeah, or we pull out our phones instead and go, I'll just check what's happening on social media and then, yeah. oh, yep, 15 minutes is gone and you go back to work. Right, I think that's the thing too is, making sure we're not so on social media that we're affecting our health, our mental health and our physical health and stuff like that too. Yeah. And it's, it's hard because the, so, you know, social media, all the apps are designed to suck you in. They are designed, you know, they've said that very freely that they want to keep you on there for as long as they can. I mean, at the end of the day, it's advertising and all that for the, the companies that are on there. So it is there to make money and it has been designed to be addictive. So it is just another thing to be aware of, especially when, and I know I'm guilty of it myself, I just go, oh, I had such a busy day. I just didn't have time to fit, you know, this in. If you, you know, I've got the app on my phone that shows you the amount of screen time you have. And if you go into that, you will still have had 25 or 30 minutes on your phone and you can go, that is heaps of time where I could have gone for a walk or, you know, I could have meal preps and stuff or I could have. So I think just being aware of our time and how much time we spend on social media, which is much easier said than done, um, but something that I know I'm continually trying to work on. Yeah, and then it also tells you, I'm like, and then my phone tells me like every week and we like, well, you're you're up 13% on your phone and stuff like that. I'm like, that's great. Like, I don't want to know that, but. Yeah, well, I know even on uh, Instagram, I've set a timer on Instagram, so I'm not on there for more than 20 minutes a day. Otherwise, it pops up with a little thing to say, you've expired, you've used your 20 minutes, and I know that, okay, 
well, that's it. I'm done. So I think it depends, you know, I'm on there like you probably on there for work and posting and that takes up time. But I think it's just trying to keep, again, that conscious awareness where we can uh, and it can just be, you know, beneficial for our, our mental health and our physical health too. Yeah. And it's it. And I'm not, and I, I'm not saying social media is not good and for some things, but if it's taking away from like going for a walk and stuff, then it, or even meal prepping, then you would need to cut back. So. Yeah, that's it. And it's, it has its place and it's fantastic for community and, and entertainment and even learning things as well. So I agree. It definitely has its place, but if we are sort of going, you know, there are things that we'd like to do in our day and we really just feel that we're time poor and stressed and, and trying to add that in feels stressful, then maybe we look at where we can take something out. And I think for the majority of people, uh, social media is one of those things that we, it's not 100% necessary all of the time. So we probably could look at cutting that down if we needed to. Yeah, and I think a lot of times it's good just to put boundaries on it and say, oh, I'm not going to wake up and check my social media or I'm not going to check it until I get in my workout or I get in my whatever healthy meal in the morning. And what are you doing? Yeah. And I also think too, you know, I see a lot more injuries sort of coming through or I say niggles where people's thumb joints are sore or their necks are sore and it's because they're looking over their phone and they're typing away with their thumbs and things and they'll sort of be like, oh, my my thumb joint's been really sore this week and I'll be like, okay, well, how much have you been using your phone or on social media? And it might not be, they might not sort of click there and then that that's what it is, but then after we sort of mention that, then they'll be like, oh, yeah, the following week. I was on my phone typing and I could feel how sore my thumb was getting. And then so I just took a few days, really was conscious about how I was typing and not being on social media and it's feeling so much better. So just small things like that can can creep in as well. That's a good tip because we don't think about like our hands and pain and stuff like that. What are like some small little tips people could do for like to help with pain? First of all, as I said before, stretching is a great thing. So even with your hands, if you put all of your 10 fingers and press them together and then you try to press and push your palms in and then push three fingers out. So this is like a little finger stretching exercise that's really good if you've been on your phone a little bit too much. You can usually feel some of the stretching coming through the tendons in the hand. So that's a really good one. Yeah, it feels really nice. Um, Flicking the fingers, okay, is really great just for getting the nerves through. So if you've got like wrist issues and things like that, or you've been loading your wrists, just flicking out those fingers, again, stretches out the nerves through there. So there are a couple of really easy ones. Uh, I love working with the feet for people too, because I think a lot of people, we kind of just forget about them. We think, oh, we've got to stretch our glutes and, you know, our triceps and things, but our feet, we don't do a lot with. So I always say to people, if you could get just a little massage ball and it can be either a smooth or a, or a slightly sort of spiky one, and you just roll your foot over that massage ball and failing that, if you don't have a massage ball, a stick or a broomstick and roll your 
foot over it, it just helps to release a lot of the fascia and the tension. So especially if you get tight calves or you're someone that suffered from plantar fasciitis or, you know, any of lower back pain, releasing your feet can make a huge difference. So uh, there are two sort of areas we forget about, our hands and our feet, but we use them an awful lot. Yeah, we do use them a lot and we just don't even think about it. And we're walking all. We're walking too and stuff, and we just don't think about taking care of our feet. It's like the last thing we think about taking care of. Yeah. Well, a client was in, I was teaching yesterday, and a client was in, and she's like, oh, my feet, my toes are cramping. And I said, what shoes did you wear today? Usually it's either high heels or a ballet flat where there's no support in the shoe. She's like, oh, I wore high heels all day. I'm like, yep, okay, grab the massage balls. Let's just release out some of that tension. I don't even wear heels really that often, so. Yeah, but it's either heels or the really flat shoes. So the, I said, beautiful looking ballet flats just have no support in them. And so therefore our calf muscles and our feet get really tight. So um, there are a couple of good tips that if you know that you wear those types of shoes for work and you tend to get either calf or foot cramps, then yeah, either grab a little massage ball or grab a stick and just give your feet a really good rollout each day. And you'll find that they generally start to disappear. That's really simple to do and stuff and it doesn't take a lot of time which I think goes back to the fact that you said oh a lot of times there's just simple tips that we could do it doesn't have to be a big thing yeah and the massage ball you can do it like you can use your massage ball all over so I often say to clients just have it in the evening when you're sitting down watching some tv because majority of people that sit down at some point in the evening pop it on the floor roll your feet out I know a few of my um, clients have started just taking one to work so that they can just pop it in under the desk at work and give their feet a roll out if they need or stick it into their lower back and just give that or even sit on it if they've got a bit of a tight glute and get into their glute so again a really simple you know really low or cheap tool that you can have doesn't take up a lot of space so I also tell my clients you know if you're going on holidays take it with you because you often do a lot more walking than usual or different activities that you're not used to and it doesn't take up a lot of space in your case but can actually give you a lot of relief if you can't get in to see a masseuse or you know somebody if you're in pain or you've got tightness and it's very simple and I and I I think a lot of times people don't want to do a new habit because they think somebody's gonna I don't know, not be supportive. And this is something people won't even notice you're doing. Yeah. And I know so many of um, my clients say they come back and they go, oh, can I get another massage ball? And I said, oh, did you, did something happen to yours? My daughter took it. She came around or my husband has, you know, now taken it for himself or so it's one of those things too, that uh, you'll find that a lot of people will be like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, actually that feels amazing. I need one of those. I want to do it too. Yeah. Now as you're talking about it, I'm like, oh, I need one. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. So um, it's a good gift to give. Uh, but yeah, you usually find that they end up disappearing um, because your spouse takes it or your child or somebody ends up taking it and enjoying it as well. So yeah, it's that gift that keeps on giving. Sounds like it. And do people like, is it people that are athletes or is it just like, it's probably like a, everyday people who are also in pain. It's so many people because we're just, we're just in a society that a lot of us are just in pain. 
Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think we just live with it too, because we think that, you know, having that bit of hip pain or that bit of neck pain, that's just part of my life because I sit at a desk all day. So it's never going to disappear, but it can, it's just doing these smaller things. And it's becoming aware that, oh, look, you can get a massage ball and it does feel really good after it. And I don't have to, you know, book an appointment at the masseur and spend an hour there and spend a hundred dollars. I can just get this massage ball and do it for five minutes every day. And I feel so much better. So it's, again, it's just learning what tools there are out there and then utilizing them and finding what suits us. And it's, it's not that hard to get either. So I think that's the big thing people need to take away. And it, it makes you feel good, which I think that's the big thing is people don't know how to, they don't know how good it feels to be like healthy and not in pain and stuff because they're so probably used to being in pain. I'm sure your clients have been in pain for like 10, 12 years and stuff. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I'll be working with them and I'll often say, so they all have a laugh at me because when they come in, I say, how's your body feeling today? And they, at the first, when they first meet they meet me, they'd look at me like, you didn't say, how are you? I said, no, because I know you'll just tell me, oh, I'm good, I'm fine. I said, how's your body feeling? And they actually just have to take a second and check in and go, oh yeah, my, my lower back has been a little bit niggly right in the middle. Or they'll say to me, my lower back's been a bit sore. And I'll say, okay, where is it more to one side or in the center? And they have to think, oh yeah, it's more to the right side. Okay. Well, that as you know, your movement instructor, that gives me a lot more information. So I know what we need to work on more. So I think, you know, just reframing those sort of things, just makes that bit of a difference. Yeah. And I think it's, it's sort of interesting you say that because with me, it's like, I think a lot of times I think with what I do, it's like when people are like, well, if you ask them, how are you doing? Everybody's going to say, oh, I'm good. I'm fine. And people don't want to say, and then when you ask them the deeper questions, it's like, well, are you sleeping? Are you in pain? Are you tired? Are you fatigued? How's your relationships? You get down to they're like, oh, no, I'm not that great or I'm not dealing with this issue and stuff. And I think a lot of times as society, we're just like we're told just to say we're fine and nobody wants to talk about like the bigger issues and stuff. Yeah, well, my clients often say to me, oh, I, I won't bore you with the details or or I won't complain. Like you don't want to hear me complaining. And I said, no, I am the person that you can freely come in and complain to. Okay. I am here to listen about how you are feeling and how your body is feeling because then we can make a change. So, you know, that's, and that's really empowering to know that somebody actually cares about how you're, how you're feeling and how your body's actually feeling. And then they're there because they're like your cheerleader. They're wanting to help you make a change. And these are, this is what we're going to do to get to that point. So I think that's probably part of the reason why, you know, clients do like coming to the studio because 
you know, we care about them, we're trying to help them. And I think having somebody, whether or not that's your yoga class or, you know, your spin class or having that, you know, support from other people can make a really big difference when you are looking to get out of pain or make a health change diet wise or whatever it may be. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we need that community to make the change or the accountability. And it doesn't have to always be in the health field. It could be in some other area that we need help with, like relationships or just anything that we're dealing with that we might need help with. And I think that's the thing is finding those people who could uplift you and get you back to feeling better and living a good life. Yeah. And I think that's where it comes in where if you've got a friend that's seeing, you know, a really great osteo or a really great relationship counselor, and you can, you know, have those people that can give referrals and things like that, or going to your doctor and asking who they know, um, it is a journey. The first person you go to might not be a good fit. We're not always a great fit for each individual person. It's not that the modality doesn't work. So you may try, we'll say Pilates, And you may be like, oh, I just hate Pilates. It actually might not have been the Pilates exercises themselves. It may just have been your gelling with the instructor or you know what I mean? So I think sometimes it's giving things more than one go and just trying to find the right fit and being aware that that may take a little while to get to that point. Yeah, and I like how you said it might take a while to get to that point because like, I feel like a lot of times we're like, we want to get to that point right away with our health. And I'm like, it's a journey. But look at where you were five years ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, right? And like, that's what I try to tell my, this audience is because I'm like, I couldn't even get off the couch. I was in so much pain 12 years ago and stuff. So like, where am I now to where I was even a couple of years ago? even eight months ago when I moved here to Austin, Texas. So I think that's the big thing is for people to be patient with our health journeys, especially if you've been dealing with like a health issue for like 10, 20 years. Like you said, that lady that you were coming to you, she's been coming to you for eight years. So she's probably dealing with that health, whatever she's dealing with for a very long time. And also we go through ebbs and flows, like nobody is perfect. Like, you know, no one's got the perfect body, the perfect health. And if they do, if they do sort of feel like, yes, I've reached my optimum health, they might only hold on to it for a week or two before something else sort of pops up. So it's one of those things that we have to lean into, you know, the habits that are really going to support us and the practices. And then there's going to be times where we have either flare-ups of pain or we have a digestive issue that comes out of the, you know, seemingly comes out of the blue but we know there's stuff that's been sort of boiling up to it. But I think it's that just having, again, that awareness that health isn't just a thing that stays stagnant or stays still. It really is going to go up and down. It's going to depend on how much sleep you get one day, how much stress that you're under, you know, all of these different things add up. And that is one of the reasons why I say to my clients, how's your body today? Because it's going to be totally different today than it was yesterday and it is tomorrow. And I think, you know, just looking into that each day and checking into how we feel and thinking about the things we can do to help our body now is a really good thing. 
And I like how you said that because checking into our body and just, so we don't check into our body and say, well, how's my body feeling? Am I stressed out? What's going on with my body? We sort of just are like, well, I'm just going to power through whatever I'm going to power through, that tiredness, that whatever. And so we got to go back to checking with our body and taking that. Yeah. I often say, like for some of my clients, if I say, if you're doing those couple of breaths where you just stop in the middle of the day and you you can close your eyes and just do a few deep breaths, do a quick body scan. So start at the top of the head or down at the feet, either way, and just go through and go, okay, all right, how's my neck? How's my shoulders? Is my back tense at all? What, what are my hips feeling like? You know, how's my digestive system? And just work your way through your body and sort of see how everything's feeling. And again, takes, you know, five to 10 seconds while you're doing a few deep breaths and it can give you a lot of information. If you go, if you do your body scan and you're like, I feel really tight around my mid back. Okay, do some nice little side reaches or get up and just have a little bit of a rotation and and get moving. So, you know, being in tune with your body then gives you that information to know what to do next. Yeah, it's being in tune with our bodies and we're not in tune with our bodies at all. No, No. and it's hard, you know, we get busy. And I know sometimes that, you know, you go through your week or whatever, and then I've got an osteo appointment and I'll rock up the osteo and she'll do that. Okay, you know, side bend and rotate. And then I'll be, I'll say to her, oh, yeah, I'm really stiff on my right side. I haven't realized it up until that point where she's gotten me to do that because I haven't stopped to think about it. So, you know, we're all, we're all guilty of doing it and there's, you know, we get busy, but where we can, it's just a good thing to add in. So thank you so much for this, for this wonderful interview. Is there anything last like tips that you would like to share? I think just generally tuning into your body as we've kind of sort of chatted about today it can save you so much time and pain and hassle in the long run so building that awareness and not being afraid to say no to things to take some time out and just prioritize your health and and what makes you feel good Thank you. I will put all her information in the show notes. You gave a lot of great tips that people could start incorporating today. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Amanda. It's been really great chatting to you. It's great chatting to you too, Katie.